This morning our reading is out of the third chapter of 1 Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do, do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. This is the word of the Lord. Every child has a story. Your children do, and you could tell something of their story. And this is a story about a child. 
It's a story about a child that I chose because Samuel is listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the series that we're in. And I chose to use this part of his story. But of course, there's much more to Samuel's story. What precedes this part of his story is the way he came into the world. His mother, Hannah, was barren. And she went year after year to Shiloh to the temple to pray. And she encountered Eli on one occasion. She was up front praying. Let's let's suppose it was something like this. And she was right up front all by herself in the temple praying. And as she prayed in in travail, she wept, and her mouth was open, but she couldn't speak. There was so much grief. Eli, the old priest, came in behind her, and he looked at her, and he said, Woman, what are you doing here drunk like that in the house of the Lord? And she turned to him and said, Sir, I'm not drunk. I'm just overcome with grief because I cannot have children. I'm crying out to God for children. And Eli, the old priest, said to her, Go home, and the Lord will grant you your request. She went home and came back, as I recall, about a year later, to let Eli know that she'd had a child. And she said, Concerning that child, this is a gift from God. I want to dedicate this child to the Lord. As soon as he comes of age, whatever that age was, and we see from the text it was quite young, I'm going to turn him over to you in service to God in the temple. And she did. And so as a very young boy, we hear the story of Samuel sleeping in his own room in the temple with Eli, the priest, who knew about him before he was ever born. And this story takes place. This is a young man who from an early age was listening to God. He wasn't a boy who at this point was ready for leadership. He was young. He didn't have the tools for leadership. But he had a word from the Lord. You'll notice Samuel heard the voice of the Lord three times and never recognized it was the voice of the Lord until Eli said, go back and lay down. And when you lay down and you hear it again, just say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And he did that on the fourth time, and God revealed his word to Samuel. And the word that he got, can you imagine the terror in a little boy's heart? When he gets the word concerning his mentor, his spiritual advisor, the priest of the nation of Israel, I have a word for you, says God. I want you to go tell Eli. In effect, I want you to go rebuke Eli in my name. Boy, I want you to be the mouthpiece of God. If I'd have been Samuel, I would have crawled under the bed and said, no, not me. We don't know exactly the agony of soul he experienced, but it seems like, according to the text, that he didn't sleep much the rest of that night. He got up early the next morning, and Eli confronted him and said, what was the word from the Lord? And Samuel told him. Eli said, you better tell me everything. Tell me exactly what he said. 
And he told him what he said, and he said, essentially, your sons are going to be judged because you have not been the father you should have been, the priest of Israel that you should have been. In spite of your exalted position, you neglected your responsibility. You let your son do all kinds of things, and we learn in other places what they did, outrageous things in the temple. And now your sons are going to be judged. You know, the result of that prophecy looks like this. This is the part of the story that we didn't read. Hophni and Phinehas were his sons, and Hophni and Phinehas went into battle against the Philistines, which the Israelites did routinely because the Philistines were constantly oppressing them and raiding their country. Now, things weren't quite as good as they should have been, and they were certainly worried that the Philistines in this battle might beat them once again. So they said to themselves, the elders, and we expect Hophni and Phinehas agreed, let's take the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark that was in the temple, let's put it up on its rods, and let's walk right into battle with it. Because if we walk into battle with the Ark of the Covenant, there's no way the Philistines can defeat us. So they walked into battle with the Ark of the Covenant, And it said the Philistines were terrified. The ark of God, they said, is among us. But instead of being terrified to the point of wilting and running, they were terrified to the point of resisting with all their might. And they defeated the armies of Israel. And they captured the ark. And Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were killed. And a messenger runs back from the battle scene to deliver the news to Eli. Eli is a very large man and old in his life. And he's on a rock. News. When he hears the news of the defeat, and especially when he hears the news of the capture of the ark of God, he falls over backwards in grief. His neck is broken and he dies. That's what Samuel prophesied, though he didn't know the details. And why did he prophesy it? Because he was listening to God. That's a short story. There's much more detail. But I want to consider with you for just a moment what it looks like to listen to God. Elements of this story and what we know in terms of the rest of the scriptures concerning what it looks like to listen to God. The first thing is this. The word of the Lord, that's God. The word of the Lord, it comes to those who are ready. That's not the same thing as saying it comes to those who are expecting it. You notice Eli wasn't expecting it. I mean, Samuel wasn't expecting it. He was just laying in his bed. But it came to him because he was ready. It came to him because he was humble. It came to him because as a young boy, even as a young boy, he was faithfully following God. He was not only a faithful servant, but he was relatively powerless. Just a young child without authority. Routinely, the word of the Lord comes to those who are ready. Are you ready? Is your heart ready? Are you truly following God? 
Are you even unexpected in anticipating the voice of God? Well, maybe the Word of God's coming. There's something else about the Word of God. It comes to ordinary people. Not just prophets, not just Eli and Samuel. It comes to ordinary people. And this we begin to understand in a new kind of way when we look at the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. And Peter is quoting the prophet Joel. And he said, a new day is now dawning upon us. And the new day looks like this. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The word of the Lord, says Peter, through the prophet Joel, is coming on his people. And that means it will come from unexpected places. People you least expect. Ordinary people. There's something else about the word of the Lord. It comes to us in written form. It comes to us as a written word. For those of you who may be visitors or new at ECC, the cornerstone of everything we do is this book. I've said it repeatedly, but I will say it again, and I will say it as long as I'm here. I've got nothing to say. If I thought it was time for me to get up and speak Bob, I would quit tomorrow. I'm not kidding you. My commission as the pastor of this church is to do my best to understand and speak the word of the Lord. Now, do I get in the way of the word of the Lord? You bet I do. Because I don't thoroughly understand it. And because I'm utterly sinful. And I'm a totally imperfect mouthpiece. But that's my job. That is our job. To hear the word of the Lord. And it comes to us not primarily by visions and things that come into our head. How do you know that's not just a bad glass of orange juice? Right? It comes to us through the Word of God. And even when something comes to us that's mysterious from the Spirit, spoken into our life, we check it against the Word of God, don't we? We are very much concerned, and rightly so, that what's in our heads needs to be accountable to the canon of Scripture. So the word of the Lord, it comes through the written word. I, I heard of a, a man, um, he was a French, and he, he actually served in World War II as a very young man in his early 20s. His name was Emile Caillé. Now, since I never studied French, I'm sure I butchered his name. But Emile was uh, a philosophy student. 
And by the way, I, I studied a fair share of philosophy and continue to love it, and I'm not denigrating Tim O'Connor's discipline. He'll understand this. I just want to say that for you. Emil has studied a lot of philosophy. But he said when he was in the midst of the battle in World War II, it occurred to him that his philosophy, which he admitted was anything but religious, was quite useless. He said, as a matter of fact, and I quote him, he said, what the ill-kept ancient type of sophistry in the philosophical banter of seminar when your own buddy at the time he's speaking to you of his mother dies in front of you a bullet in his chest was there a meaning to it all a person can endure almost anything it appears if it's meaningful I too in that moment and moments following felt that I was naked and war or no war destined to perish miserably when the hour came he goes on he says, during the long night watches in the foxholes, I had in a strange way been longing. I must say it, however queer it sounds, for a book that understood me. I knew of no such book. Now I would, in secret, prepare one for myself. He said, I would file away passages in a multitude of books that spoke to my condition. Then carefully copy them into a leather-bound pocketbook I would always carry with me. The quotations which I numbered in red ink for ease of reading. He began to do this after he left the war and was, again, a philosophy student and later professor. The day came where he collected all the sayings that he'd been writing down in his leather-bound book. And he delighted that day because he was done. And he went to a quiet place like a park, and he sat down and he started reading them. And he said... I was so disappointed. Because as I read what I thought once were words that understood me, I began to realize they were words that just reminded me of my own condition. My own misery. On that same day, his wife obtained quite by chance what he later would call providence, a Bible. And at 26 years of age, he had never even seen a Bible. She brought it to him. And she said, here, immediately read this. He said, I literally grabbed the book and rushed to my study with it. I opened it, he said, and chanced upon 
the Beatitudes. I read and read and read, now aloud, with an indescribable warmth surging within me. I could not find words to express my awe and wonder, and suddenly the realization dawned on me. This was the book that would understand me. I needed it so much. Yet, unaware, I had attempted to write my own in vain. I continued to read deeply into the night, mostly the Gospels. When I read this uh, last phrase, it, it caught in my throat. And lo and behold, he said, as I looked through them, the Gospels, the one of whom they spoke, the one who spoke and acted in them, became alive in me. Without the assistance of one person, without the professional proclamation of the gospel, the power and truth of the living word, which resides in the written word, stirred his heart by faith, and he turned to Jesus Christ. You know the rest of the story of Emil. He became a professor of Christian philosophy and ethics at Princeton Seminary, dedicating his life to speaking about the book that understood him in the context of the many books that speak into our life. The word comes to us in written form. And the reason it's so powerful is because the written word of God is alive. That's why we move to it every morning as we do. Final thing is the word of God um, comes to us in the silences. I, I passed over one of the points. There's not enough time. <laughs> The reason the Word of God comes to us in the silences is because we can't hear when we're talking. Matter of fact, I'm not sure we can hear sometimes when we're praying because we're talking. Soren Kierkegaard, a Christian philosopher, put it this way. A man prayed at first and he thought he was praying, and when he was praying, he thought he was talking. But he became more and more quiet and he realized that prayer is listening. The Word of God comes to us in the silences. T.S. Eliot put it this way, where shall the world be found? The world, where shall the world be found? Where will the Word resound? Not here. There's not enough silence. I can't imagine a generation that ought to be able to understand 
The contrast between solitude and silence and noise and activity and constant flow of information than our generation. It's everywhere. The question, my friends, is where do we find the silence? Not where do we find the information. I can just Google that. Where do we find the word of the Lord? In the scriptures and in silence. So here's a final flurry of, let's just call it suggestions. If we're going to hear the word of the Lord, let's do several things. Let's begin our day with the word of God and follow it with prayer and end with silence. Just try it. Read. Pray. Shut up and listen. And as we walk through our days, during times of joy, let this word be on our lips and in our hearts. Speak, Lord. Speak. During times of joy, for your servants listening. Or when we're walking through adversity, probably more important. Speak, Lord, for your servants listening. Or when we walk through prosperity and everything is at our fingertips. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And finally, when you walk through periods of darkness and doubt and very little faith, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I don't know how you're here. I don't know when you'll hear. But if you pray that, you will hear. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. We're grateful that we don't need to feel compelled to create meaning out of life or to have all the answers. We're also grateful that we don't need to be concerned that we always understand the word of the Lord. If your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, it's inevitable, Lord, that sometimes your word is just going to not make sense or be incomprehensible. But it's clear enough for us to follow. So give us the grace to follow the humility to submit, and may we be silent long enough to hear. These things we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.